the uh, the subject qualities of Krishna it, it comes up in different places of course there is a beautiful description of Krishna's qualities in the Bhagavatam in the first canto Bhumi speaks earth speaks highly of him and uh, many of the qualities mentioned there are cited by Jiva Goswami and Krishna Sandarbha, but more famously and with a specific focus with regard to the, the, the place that the qualities of Krishna play in the ocean of Bhakti Rasa, um, we turn to Shirupa's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, his book, uh, the seminal text, really, on uh, Uttam Bhakti. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu means the, the nectar ocean of the Bhakti Rasa. Hmm? And therein, of course, he defines Bhakti, Uttam Bhakti, and gives a generic description of what is the nature of Bhakti as he's speaking about it. And then he speaks about bhakti and practice, and two forms of which the, he speaks of bhakti and practice in the pursuit of reverential love of God and bhakti and practice in pursuit of uh, intimate love of God. And, and then proceeding on, as the book is divided into uh, different chapters, um, it's divided as an ocean with four sides, north, east, uh, south. Um, I guess it's uh, north and west, west and north. Um, and then different waves within the uh, different divisions of the ocean. It's very poetic. Um, so third wave in the eastern division, we come to then from practice, bhakti and practice, to bhakti and ecstasy. Hmm? And from that to final chapter in that section, bhakti in praying or in love of God, which is the churning, if you will, of the of the uh, ecstasy that bhava constitutes. And because bhava is a ray of the sun of of praying, hmm? emotional, transcendental, emotional bhakti churning that into praying, and and then he comes to the to the uh, southern section, which is directly about. Bhakti Rasa itself, and and he begins there um, with a description of of Krishna's qualities, and I th- think it's probably important to note that without Bhakti Rasa, there would be no qualities to Krishna. That's an interesting idea. Hmm? So. If we are to have any of the qualities of Krishna, which there is some scope for, as we'll describe, continuing with a discussion of the text, then we will have to have the ingress of bhakti rasa hmm? to have such a transcendental type of personality with form and qualities hmm? capable of participating in the divine play, the leela. Hmm? Of Bhagavan. For those who are less acquainted, of course, Leela is a very important word in our tradition. 
and Leela means literally means play, but it it uh, speaks more of divine play. Um, and so then you have to think, what is divine, and how does the divine play? And in, in one sense, of course, we are all divine, but it doesn't seem like we're playing. It seems like we're, <laughs> we're struggling. So we're a qualified expression of divinity, hmm? um, susceptible to the present condition in which we find ourselves, which is rather more of a struggle that finds us moving in such a way that we um, have to continue the struggle. Uh, like if you move in quicksand, you go down, something like that. Um, I've likened our karmic implication to m- moving in, in negative numbers, which in comparison to which zero has some positive value. But Bhakti Rasa, of course, is speaking about positive numbers, if you will. So that's very extraordinary. Many spiritual paths, in other words, they end at the zero, a positive zero, in comparison to negative numbers. What I mean by that is that if you, for example, borrow money from the bank, just to use a crude example, it looks like you have more money now. And you may even think so, perhaps, and become intoxicated by that. But if you, you read the fine print, you owe many times more than what you've borrowed. So you're actually poorer. Hmm? Such is the way of material life. It's kind of like trying to scale the downward moving escalator, or something like that. Uh, um, it's been likened by materialist itself to a to a race of a rat, I think, instead of a some circular um, engagement. Uh, so, uh, as I say, in comparison to that, zero has some some value to rest, hmm, to get off the the treadmill is a, is a thing. The treadmill you don't really go anywhere. To get off the treadmill and rest, it's, it's something positive. And so, it's so large, if you will, of so much of an accomplishment in comparison to the negative numbers that it, 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 you can understand. If you do understand, it's good for good reason. Many people, uh, transcendentalists, will make a long pause there, as if the journey has been, uh, it's over. The journey is over. Peace, shanti, shanti. But in the idea of bhakti rasa, of course, it's very provocative um, in, in that it, it has the nerve and the audacity to inquire from that restful, if you will, position, is that all? Is there, is, is my... Uh, is it really a spiritual life if my heart will stop? Because we move in this world in pursuit of love, a shadow of it, really. Hmm? And um, is there any substance to the shadow? Or is the pursuit of love and relationships 
for example, uh, itself just all folly. We have to um, forego and just be alone and peaceful, which might sound good if you've been in a relationship for a while that's not working. Uh, but still, even from there, one ponders, there might be somebody out there, something like that. So keep the door open, but I'm not really looking. Uh, <laughs> so this, of course, is a material example, but um, well and good. We should be able to draw from material life, which is the shadow of the, of the full light of of, uh, of divine life, some some things that uh, we, we can learn about what life in the light is like. And this is so central, the pursuit of love to our material life. It has no, there's no, it, it has no connection with, uh, with um, our enlightened uh, state. Hmm? Um, so, the bhakti tradition, of course, says that it does. It really, especially Chaitanya Vaishnavism, really speaks to the human heart and affirms its suspicions, in a sense, but then brings before it an object hmm, worthy of reposing one's love in. And he has very many wonderful qualities. Hmm. So when Rupa Goswami now begins to speak about bhakti rasa. This is what he first, first speaks about, the qualities, the muna, the qualities of Krishna. Um, and as they say, these qualities, um, they are, in a way, they're, you, you, the qualities, the form of Krishna, the qualities which are related, are different. And, and, and bhakti rasa, or, or love, bhakti, they're one and they're different. Those qualities would not be there were there not bhakti. And of course, there always is bhakti, so there always is, are the qualities of Krishna. But point being, you take out the bhakti and what do you have? You have nirvishesh, Brahma. Nirvishesh means without qualities. That may be an, a no other. That may be peaceful, there's nobody else. But it could be, from our perspective, problematic as well. It's it's half of the equation, perhaps, we could say, of what we pursue. It's wise to move in negative numbers and be deceived by such, to think that one is actually gaining something positive. Um, to come out from that, that requires, uh, is an example of, of real wisdom. In other words, if I'm pursuing enduring life, and it's not wise to pursue it in relation to things that don't endure. I know it sounds like simple and it's easy to agree with, but it's pretty hard to put in practice. We can agree, we can nod our head, but the pursuit of enduring life in relation to which we are, I think, agreeably, uh, arguably we all agree, we're interested in enduring happy life, will not be found in relation to things that don't endure. Mm-hmm. So, the corollary, therefore, in one sense, of, of knowledge, this being the real post-doctorate degree, if you will, um, 
that uh, uh, if one could arrive at, even at the cost of all other types of knowing, one would be all-knowing, mm-hmm. nonetheless. Um, if you could, the corollary of that, of knowing, mm-hmm. um, of being, of realizing, of acting in such wisdom that uh, that that that, atta- that attachment to things is the womb from which suffering is born. So I don't go there. What is it, if, if I said it in such a way you can understand what I'm, my point, what is the corollary then of knowledge? If attachment to things that don't endure is the womb from which suffering is born, what is the corollary of such knowledge? Hmm? It's detachment hmm? from things that are here today and gone tomorrow, unlike ourselves. Hmm? Well, if we create an identity based on sense of ownership that's 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 not accurate hmm? that identity is 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 as temporary as the the uh, sense of ownership it lasts until someone comes along and says it's mine as time does hmm? and then the gita Krishna says time i am destroyer of the, all the worlds hmm? that means all the worlds of all of our minds hmm? this is the this is the world. This is the world he destroys. The, the sense of ourself arrived at in the mind as a result of attachment to things and a sense of ownership that is um, isn't uh, isn't isn't uh, actual. That hmm? is uh, will not endure. So the corollary, as I'm saying, of of, of the such knowledge is detachment. And detachment means, well, <laughs> it fosters a sense of, of being unto oneself. Hmm? Attachment, we connect with others and things. So in the path of gyan, hmm? knowledge, not the path of love, hmm? then we progress, one progresses by detachment. But it's not a very friendly path, Krishna says in the Gita. It's there, but it's kind of difficult, he said. I mean, if I tell you this as I am, and we end, we conclude there, then you're left to, well, as Mitra was putting it, well, go take apart your ego now. How do I do that? My ego is built on all these attachments, so now I have to let go of all of them. How do I, how do I let go? Well, you just let go. It's true. That's How do you let go? Well... <laughs> You, you you know, and then you act on the knowing, um, and the action is kind of an, an inaction of just stopping the action, letting go. But that means you have to let go of your of things and thoughts. So now you go home and stop thinking. And that's the end of the lecture. It sounded good until he said that. <laughs> that's not so practical. Huh? And uh, what about all things in moderation? As I said the other night, we might. Uh, well, so this is where bhakti comes, of course. It's, it, 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 it does allow us to interact with things and thoughts, hmm? but in a way that will cause our spiritual progress. Spiritual thoughts and things for spiritual purposes. Hmm? Uh, using the natural world for by way of excavating its connection with divinity hmm, through service. Hmm. 
So, um, in, in, in the Ganmarg, then, where the ideal is that knowledge will set you free and knowledge is, is, is the most highly held thing, uh, we come to not a world of where there is possibility of relationship, love, um, qualities, forms, but qualities, forms, love and relationship, that's all in relation to a world of names and forms that are here today and gone tomorrow. So we call it Nirvishesh Brahman. Nirvishesh means it's without distinction, without quality. Hmm? So then, at the same time, of course, as I'm describing, this is, Nirvishesh Brahman is described as, among other things, Ananda. It's sat, condition of sat, enduring existence, chit, cognizance, and love, ananda. But the, the nature of the love, the bliss, the, the ananda there, you can understand very easily, is such that it has no object. to repose itself in. Hmm? And love will be, in one sense, evaluated on a scale in consideration of the measure to which there is reciprocation hmm? between two. If there's no other, in, in Ganmarg we advance by giving up, by, by letting go, hmm? by, by detachment. This is not how we advance in Bhakti Marg. In Bhakti Marg, we advance by attachment, by Sangha. Sangha means to connect ourselves with others. So the question comes from the perspective of the Gaudiya Vedantist what kind of love will you find in Nirvishesh Brahma? There's no object to repose one's love, and there's no possibility of reciprocal dealings. So it's, a, it's kind of a, yeah, Rupa Goswami will say. It is ananda, but it's might better be described as relief. <sighs> I'm not chasing my tail anymore, running around karmically, doing things that are just causing me to, doing things in the name of becoming happy and peaceful, only to cause me trouble, and I owe, I owe, so... Off to work I go. I've taken and now I owe. That's just the karmic life. So I guess I say to stop that is a great, huge relief. Peace. Shanti, shanti, shanti. But we want not just peace, but peace and love. This is <laughs> peace and love. This is our hippies were right. <laughs> So, as I say, Gaudiya Vaishnavism poses this very provocative question, like you know, we've, we've just come to the end of the struggle for existence, and you're asking, is there anything more? Hmm? Hmm. And of course we've caused to ask this because of the, the, what is the experience of Sri Chaitanya, what, 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 what this uh, appearance of of divinity, and we, we call Sri Krishna Chaitanya. What it, exploring the, what it's what it's about, and this is what Rupa Goswami and Goswami have done. They 
they located the ecstasy that is the, the, the Mahabhav that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the um, scriptural map, if you will. Hmm? What is that? And and then they began to speak about it and demonstrate this is this is its center. This is really what it's talking about. Hmm? And as they talk about it, it becomes obvious. But had they not talked about it, no one would have seen it. Hmm? Such is the value of Sadhusanga. And we'll go, yeah, it makes sense. I knew that. <laughs> we feel like, yeah, I felt like I knew that. But <laughs> So actually, the Guru speaks in such a way that it appears that he or she's articulating what I already kind of know. I just couldn't quite say it like that. Hmm? And it's true. Hmm. After all, it is our self that's, that's, that's coming to the fore in human life in a way that it does not in the less complex forms of life. Hmm? And it's our self that we're questioning about. Why? This is not, a, as I often say, this is not a question that uh, you can address to nature. Why? How you can address nature? Hmm? And that question arises in all the in animal life, how? How to eat, how to sleep, how to mate, how to think. And nature answers. Hmm? The, there's no confusion among, in the animal world what to eat. No confusion. How to sleep, when to mate, with whom. Hmm? It's all set up. How to defend oneself. Every species nature has provided. Hmm? These how questions, these are relative to, to the natural world. But why? That is a supernatural question. Why? Quality, value, purpose, meaning. Nature does not have that independent of consciousness. Because as I often say, if matter mattered independently of consciousness, who would, who would know about it? Who would care? We are the matterer of matter. We make matter matter. Mm-hmm. So so what are we? Why am I? What am I? What, what purpose, value, meaning? This question, nature cannot answer. So we need another, another source. We need something from the subjective world, answers from the subjective world about the subjective experiential reality of I am. I exist, I experience. This is very extraordinary. This is, if there's anything, as I have said at times before, that we could say is our most profound experience, I think it would be the fact that we experience at all. We're unlike everything else. Hmm? Of course, as I said earlier, that means we're, we're divine. But we have to qualify that, because we're divine. But we're not playing. We're struggling. So we're implicated in the karmic life. But we have the prospect to play. Hmm? And this is what God does. And to enter into that means to enter into the ocean of bhakti rasa. And and, and God is playing most perfectly as Krishna. And why does he play? Of course, he plays because knowing everything, omniscience, is boring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you know everything, then what? What do you do now? So 
you play, that we call Leela. And that holds within it a kind of knowing that is superior to knowing everything. It's a kind of ignorance that is more satisfying than knowing everything. It's a knowing how to love. And the knowing that is within love, that just, what can you say about it? I know. I love this. <laughs> you know, love is knowledge. Love is pregnant with a kind of essential knowing, knowing that satisfies one. Hmm? Not extra knowing, like the boatman story we we told briefly the other day. Hmm? So, so bhakti rasa. Hmm? This is, these are the kind of questions Rupa Goswami is asking. They're very, um, very bold questions. And the whole of the Indian subcontinent practically, and as it has information about it, its ideals start to filter to the West. Hmm? Yeah. The, the general sense is that the thinkers, the experiencers, the mystics, of India, Mother India, the, the land of, of, of religion and spirituality. Hmm? That it, it, it has, it has, it's a poor country that that's, that's, it has a wealth. Hmm? The, the British, they were poor and the British were rich and conquering the worlds, but many a British heart were conquered by India. Hmm? It's thinking, it's, it's preoccupation with something other than the, with, with the subjective world. Hmm? Arguably, it's preoccupation with the subjective world left it somewhat materially, um, in comparison, bereft. Even in terms of knowing details of the natural world, how ignorant they are, it was thought. Hmm? But there's some wealth in that apparent uh, ignorance. They were content with having less apparently, uh, and knowing something by experience of the subjective world. They were not interested to the same, in the same measure as to the forces of the natural world, but the subjective world was their concern. So their books were the Upanishads, the Gita, uh, Gita Upanishad, and so forth. Hmm? There we will find explanations about the nature of consciousness that have a corresponding kind of, uh, um, I want to say, uh, example, a theoretical exposition on the nature of consciousness, along with an example of someone who has largely, I want to say, demonstrated what? That, that consciousness is independent of matter, and you are consciousness, not matter. And so by letting go of matter, hmm, uh, you will find the more that you are. Hmm? So, this is the general thinking. It's very, it's, it's profound. It, it has captured even many, many people in, in the West, from thinking people, over the centuries, hmm? in philosophy and science, and amongst common people like ourselves with different backgrounds, education, and so forth. Yeah. It has some draw. Uh, yeah. it, it's speaking about early that which we are. Uh, and the general sense about 
uh, as to what that is that's being talked about is you are Brahman, you are consciousness, you are that. This is what filtered into the Western world and so forth. Hmm? But the Chaitanya Vaishnavas, they thought differently in India. And my Maharaj, J.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, of course, he was a great emissary of Chaitanya Vaishnavism. And he wanted the Western world to think think differently. Hmm? We're like, you know, we're more like, you know, Apple than we are like IBM or something like that. <laughs> think differently. Hmm? More... Uh, Aesthetically pleasing, and uh, <laughs> and so he he very just as an aside, he's been extremely uh, instrumental in in, in 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 kind of stirring the this Nirvishesh Brahma, <laughs> churning the Nirvishesh. Is there anything going on in here? Is there anything beyond this this uh, sense of oneness and? Ah, the relief of ending the material struggle and peace. Is, is, is there any love in the peace? Hmm? He came at the time of peace and love, of course, as we know, in America, as it's thought. Hmm? He, and, and he was very successful in his almost one kind of dimensional, you know, like, content, he had some mantras, that he, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, and, and every opportunity that presented itself to to critique the idea that Nirvishesh Brahma was and peace alone, if you will, without love was was the desired goal. He he, he wanted to argue against that. He created opportunities in the text where there where there weren't any to to make this kind of point. Hmm? And as and, and very much you can see objectively as a result of that. Hmm? There's in the world, and there's some nuanced thinking about what Mother India, what the Vedanta, what the, what the Gita, what the Upanishads say about this. So this is really very. Uh, he, he called himself Nirvishesha Paschatyadeshatarane, and this is very much following in the wake of the of the Brindavan Goswamis, who, as I said, in really posed this question in a powerful way. I mean, not to say that it had never been posed in there, other Vaishnava sects and so forth, but Gaudiya Vaishnavism in a very, um, in a very bold way, uh, they have coined really the phrase or, or kind of, um, I want to say, um, co-opted uh, the phrase, the term prem. Every other Vaishnava lineage says the goal is mukti, the goal is mukti. There are different ideas of what mukti is, but they said the goal is prem. Prema Pumarto Mahan, Panchama Purushartha. They posited a fifth goal of life, not the four. Dharma, Artha, Kama, finish that. Moksha, peace. No, oh, there's something more. Gopala, Turiyati, beyond Turiya, the fourth. They said there's the waking, the dreaming, and the deep sleep states of consciousness, and then there's the fourth. Hmm? I mean, that's saying a lot. We can't say anything about it. It's the fourth. It's beyond dreaming, waking, deep sleep. And here the Gaudius come and say, the fifth. 
and it's very bold, hmm? very insightful, and and they're and they are drawn to do this on the on the uh, strength of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, appearance in the world. Speak deeply about prem prayojan, hmm? his goal of life, bhakti rasa, and then to enter into the Krishna Leela, love and intimacy. Hmm? Leela is a movement, as I say, different from karma. Karma is a movement that we make and as a result of which we owe. It's a movement out of necessity. I'm feeling a lack, a need, because I've identified identified with matter, and so I'm moving to add things on to make myself complete. This is the illusion. And so one will think, if you are complete, why move? If you're full, why move? This would be... The, the, the gyan idea. Come to Nirvishesh Brahma, be still. Hmm? No need to move. But the Godius reason that there's a movement in transcendence as well that is a result of really being full. If you're really full, then sometimes you have to dance and celebrate. I'm full. Hmm? Ah, that kind of movement. Not out of a need, but out of a need to express the fullness. And this is overflowing into the world. This is what we call Chaitanya Vaishnavism. Hmm? And so Rupa Goswami is writing about all of this. Hmm. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was like a great waterfall of love of God and what to make of that. Rupa Sanatana Goswami, Chijiva Goswami, they made something out of that lake, that waterfall turning into a lake, for example, in their writings, that it could be approached and, and, and we could drink from it, we could bathe in it, swim in it, somehow start to take advantage of it. It's kind of a beginning of institutionalizing in a positive way the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu that it could be approached and taken advantage of. Hmm? So the book of Rupa Goswami that we're talking about, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, is a very, um, it's a it's very important book of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and very important book overall um, from a religious or spiritual point of view. It entertains the, these topics. It speaks about that Bhakti Rasa by which Brahman, Nirvishesh Brahma, undifferentiated consciousness hmm, that, as I often say, is everywhere. Brahman is everywhere. Is there anywhere where God is not? Where is God? And the devotee will, is there anywhere where God is not? Brahman is everywhere. And if you're everywhere, then how can you move, right? You're already everywhere, so where can you go? Hmm? Bhakti Rasa is about that which makes Brahman move, even though it's everywhere. Hmm? You understand? Gives it qualities. It's nirvishesh. It's without qualities. It's not something that happens in time. Hmm? I want to say. But without bhakti rasa, hmm, we would have only Brahman. And that is, and this is, and the Gaudiya Vaishnava can say this, only Brahman. You can, only Brahman? Oh, what are you talking about? Hmm? To attain such an illumined state that I no longer chase after the temporary... You can imagine, if you stopped chasing after temporary things hmm, and thoughts, (laughs) what would be your condition? Hmm? This is not not book knowledge. This is very common sense. Hmm? In common sense, we understand. If I control my mind and senses, I'll be better off. Who can disagree with that? Hmm? Yoga says... And bhakti yoga, take that to the extreme then. <coughs> well, we shouldn't be too extreme. 
all things in moderation. <laughs> then Bhakti says, yes, we do in moderation. Hmm? Then we will take prasad. We will just not be breatharians. No, we will honor the prasad. Hmm? And we will sing and we will hear and we will so on and so forth. We, and we will love one another. Hmm? We will advance by sangha, not by bhairagya, hmm? by making community with one another hmm? in love of Krishna. Hmm? So he wants to write about Bhakti Rasa. And as he begins in the southern section of the ocean of Bhakti Rasa, naturally he has to speak about the qualities of Krishna. Hmm? He cites um, 64 qualities of Krishna hmm? in particular. And they are uh, sections, mental qualities, relational type of qualities. Hmm? And uh, so they're in different sections. He lists 50 of them, hmm? and then he lists two sets of five, and then four. Fifty and five is fifty-five, and another five is sixty, and four is sixty-four. Sixty-four qualities. I think he stopped there for a reason. Sixty-four rounds, is it? It's just an auspicious number. Lack of names is 60, 64 rounds, isn't it? 16 times 4. You know, you have the beads. Do you have beads? You might have noticed that you have these counter beads. Does anybody have a sample? Let's see. Have you got. So here, here she has a bag of Japa Mala, like rosary, right? She chants on. So there are 16 beads here. She's got two more to chant today. <laughs> See? Right? So each time she chants, she pulls down one, one bead and counts. But you've got to look close here because there's four other beads over here. There's not a lot of room to move them. <laughs> Those are the ones you move that after you've chanted 16, then you move one of these. Then you chant another 16, then you move the second one. And he chanted another 16 and the third one, and another 16 and the fourth one. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I don't eat from anyone who has not chanted 16, 64 rounds in a day. You're going to go hungry now. Because <laughs> you, you won't eat anything that's not offered to Krishna. Hmm? Of course, great personalities, they can make an adjustment hmm? to help us come close to Krishna. Hmm? So, But we do have those four beats there. <laughs> We don't notice them too often, perhaps, but they are here for a reason. Kirtaniya, Sadahari, this is the teaching. Hmm? But 64 seems to be an auspicious number. So there's 80-some mentioned by Jiva Goswami, citing from the Bhagavatam. Here Krishna has unlimited qualities. But for talking about Bhakti Rasa in a particular way, hmm? Rupa Goswami has listed 64 qualities. What is the particular way? Bhakti Rasa... Rasa, it is mentioned in the Upanishad, Taitari Upanishad, in the Anandavali, the section about Ananda, about love, about bliss. Ananda. There. Rasubai Sa. Brahman is Rasa. Brahman is Rasa. When we say Brahman is Rasa, Rasa requires two. Rasa requires two. Hmm? 
In Brahman there's one. There's no other. In Rasa there's two. Hmm? So the two means there's Bhakti and there's Bhagwan. Hmm? There's the embodiment of Bhakti in the form of a devotee and there's Bhagwan who is the object of the love that the devotee is the embodiment of. And these two interacting with one another that makes for Bhakti Rasa. So if Brahman is Rasa, suddenly we have Upanishadic um, kind of verification for this idea, if you will. Hmm? There's scope for two. There's hope. Hmm? There's, there's a possibility of love in a really meaningful sense. To come to Brahman is to stop taking, but stopping from taking is not giving. Hmm? And love is about giving. So to enter into Bhakti Rasa, there has to be the giver and there has to be someone to give to. So there we have the two, Radha and Krishna. Radha, Krishna, Pranay, Vikitiladini Shakti Rasmad. Radha is the transformation of Krishna's love. One soul and two, two bodies. Rasaraj Mahabhav Duyekrupa. The king of love, Rasaraj, and, the, and Mahabhav, the perfection of uh, the full face of love, these two combined, hmm? that is Sri Krishna Chaitanya. Hmm? And this idea, Rupanuga Janira Jivan, this is the ideal of the followers of Rupa Goswami, who's writing this book, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And as he, again, as he begins to speak about rasa, he speaks about the guna, the qualities of Krishna. Hmm? And why? Because there are ingredients to bhakti rasa. Hmm? These ingredients are that there's a stimulus for bhakti rasa. There's that which constitutes an expression of bhakti rasa, both um, a, a, a calculated one and an vol- involuntary one. Hmm? And then there are... Uh, there is um, an, an assisting influence. This means vibhav, anubhav, sattvikubhav, and sancharibhav. The vibhav is is the um, stimulus. The anubhav is the calculated expression. I will raise my hands. For example, in ecstasy, I feel ecstasy. I, I think I will, I will raise my hands. The involuntary expression of that bhakti rasa is tears, fainting. Um, eightfold as described. Asta sattvika, and the assistant emotion, spiritual emotion. Sanchari. Sanchari means moving. So they enter, they, just like if you love someone, you're in love with someone romantically, then you're, that is defining your existence at the same time that loving romantic identity that you have may be assisted or augmented by other feelings, sometimes despondency. He's gone. Hmm? He doesn't love, does he love me? 
I don't know. You feel despondency. There are many emotions, in other words, that, that rise and fall in the ocean of the stai bhav of bhakti rasa. So these are five ingredients. The stai means the dominant emotive reality that we become as a result of bhakti rasa, the person that we become. We are a person at present because of the influence of the maya shakti. And I've said it very often. Because of the influence of the maya shakti, the influence of the maya shakti is what? That I identify myself by way of attachment to things. I'm a unit of consciousness, I've attached myself to things, and I've forged an identity as a result of that. But really nothing is mine, so that identity is very illusory. It cannot be sustained. Hmm? We call that ahankar, as a false ego, hmm? false identity. That has to be dismantled. Hmm? And in order to dis, this is a cycle, in order to dismantle the false metaphysical ego, we have to have a healthy psychological ego. So your false ego has to have a healthy psychology. <laughs> in order to help, it has to be sattvic. You have to come sattva, hmm? balance. Hmm? And that's not all, of course. That's but you need ingress of bhakti in your life. So that that personality is illusory. Hmm? Now we have the prospect of having an identity, a personality, a loving loving identity. What's the meaning of having a loving identity unless you have someone to love, right? So that person comes into the picture, then the opportunity arises. You have within you that which, if that person should come into your life, you can love. Hmm? Hmm? That's true. Hmm? But that but what what you will become as a result of that, that's that's not there. Hmm? So with the ingress of bhakti comes to us, to Guru a great opportunity comes before us hmm? to enter into the ocean of bhakti rasa in due course. So we go through our sadhana bhakti, hmm? and in the higher stages of sadhana bhakti, this the ingress of, of, of bhakti comes, starts to become prominent, tangible. Hmm? It's showing up in your own person. What's showing up now is not just some scars from the world, but some scars from bhakti, impressions. And you naturally go in a certain way and, and, and so forth. So, as this is churned and ruchi and, uh, and asakti, the, the, this identity comes, starts to come to the fore, an emotive identity like, I am the lover of Krishna. I am the handmaiden of Radha. Hmm? I am the friend of Krishna. Mahaprabhu said, Vainanda Tanuja King Karam, Patita Mam Vishamebhavamburo, in Asakti, he said, I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj. Like a girl would move into the house of her father in law in India. I want to live, Ainanda Tanuja, I want to be a Tinkari, the maid servant in the house of Nanda Maharaj. So he's. This is the beginning of Mahaprabhu's tangibly stepping into the identity that he is is born to and driven to Krishna is in the form of Chaitanya is driven to experience. What is the love of Radha? He has to become like Radha. Hmm? He has to enter into that that 
Of course, we cannot become Radha, but he's shown how we can also experience that vicariously. That is, that is called Tadbhavichamayi. Hmm? This is the this is the Madhurya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? If you like Madhurasa, you follow hand that, and that you like for because of how it's come to you. This Gaudiya Vaishnava is full of this. So it will come, and then that means to become handmaiden of Radha. So. This is a particular dominant sentiment. These are the sen- these were the feelings that the Goswamis were concerned about. As I've often said, they weren't very concerned about gravitation, electromagnetic forces, strong, weak nuclear forces. The, the, what makes the world go round? They weren't very concerned about. It. They were concerned about dasyam, sakyam, vatsalya, madhurya, which, which arguably really do make the world go round. Hmm? Hmm? They take precedence over everything. These sentiments, I love my son, I love my friend, I love my, my lover, hmm? so forth. Hmm? And they thought, let us take the, let us, the, the... These things, these forces are uh, really governing the world, and if they can be focused properly on the perfect object of love, we'll have another world. Hmm? Not a Nirvishesh Brahma, close down the world. We'll have... T- Another creation, this is the Bhagavad, all together, another world, all together. And it's fueled by this Bhakti Ras, making it go round. So, he begins, Rupa Goswami, he says, well, we have to discuss all these things. What is the Saibhav? There will be a chapter about Saibhav. There will be a chapter about Sancharibhav. There will be a chapter about Anubhav. Hmm? And, is that what I say? And there will be a chapter about Vibhav. Saibhav, Sancharibhav, Anubhav, Sattvikabhav, and Vibhav. Hmm? And when all these ingredients, emotive ingredients, come together, then the devotee ascends to the experience of bhakti rasa, then he or she knows Brahman as rasa, and he or she tastes rasa hmm? in relation to Brahman. Hmm? Krishna here, Param Brahma. Hmm? So this is what Rupa's Goswami is doing in Bhakti Rasa Mrita Sindhu, and he begins his chapter on these five ingredients of bhakti rasa with the description of vibhav. Hmm? Vibhav means, as I said earlier, the cause. Sometimes it's called cause or the stimulus, that which gives rise to bhakti rasa. Hmm? Um, let us say, for example, you love your daughter, right? And you have not seen your daughter some time. Then you come home and at the front door you see her shoes. And you already love your daughter, but now you oh, my daughter's here. Her shoes are the cause. It's already there. The stai is already there. The tzalya for my daughter. But I see the shoes and suddenly it comes to a new new height. This is vibhav. Hmm? There's one type of vibhav. We call udipana vibhav. And the other thing is alambana vibhav. Hmm? 
he starts with the Lambana Vibhav. Lambana means, as I said, for there to be rasa, there have to be two. There has to be the object of love, and then there has to be the love. The embodiment of love and the object of love. So, for example, we have Radha, the embodiment of love, and we have Krishna, the perfect object of love. Hmm? So these two are called alambanavibhavs. If we are going to do enter into the drama of Krishna Lila, then these props have to be there. Hmm? You understand? They have to be the object of love and the love. So the object of love, the the, the Vishaya Lambana, is Krishna for Bhakti Rasa. He is the object of love. And the Ashraya Lambana, hmm? that in which the love is sheltered or embodied, hmm? that is the devotees. Hmm? And there are different kinds of devotees with different kinds of love. Hmm? And Krishna is Rasaraj, so he can reciprocate with all of them. Hmm? The Stais are five, and then there are seven secondary ones. And uh, so he can reciprocate with all. We saw this, of course, in, when he came in the wrestling arena of Kamsa hmm? and showed himself in 12 different ways, to 12 different types of dispositions and so forth. He's Rasaraj. This is Krishna. So, Rupa Goswami is starting to say, what we are doing here in, we, is talking about Bhakti Rasa. We're going to talk about Krishna, hmm? the perfect object of love. First, let us get focused on the object. We'll say there's also the, the, there needs to be the embodiment of love. We'll get to that. But first, what is the object of love? Hmm? And he describes Krishna. And he distinguishes in that description Krishna from everyone else. Everyone else. Not only every one of us, but every one of the gods and goddesses and avatars and so on and so forth. Hmm? In his own way, by a, from a, an aesthetic consideration, he establishes that Krishna is the perfect object of love. He's beginning by describing his different qualities. Hmm? So first... He describes the, as I say, the the alambana vibhav, the vishaya alambana. Krishna is the object of bhakti rasa. Now, Krishna has many qualities. If we say, if we talk about the qualities of Krishna in connection with Krishna's form, then we are talking about the qualities as alambanabhibhavs. If we talk about the qualities separately from Krishna's form, hmm, then we're talking about the qualities in terms of udipanabhibhav. So the qualities of Krishna hmm, can both be alambana or udipana. Hmm? Understand? Yeah. So... Hmm. He, as I say, wants to put this first I- I- ingredient in place. It is very kind of insightful and uh, logical way to begin his explanation of bhakti rasa. And so then he goes and describes the different qualities of Krishna, 64 qualities. Hmm? And he says that among these qualities, in a very minute 
degree, sometimes here and there, he says, they will be found in in living entities like ourselves, in, 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 in jivas, hmm? up, up to the first 50 of them. Hmm? In minute degree, here or there, he says. Hmm? Um, now, so what does it mean that we can have those qualities? As I said before, it's important to note, that why does Krishna have those qualities? Because of bhakti rasa, without bhakti. So these are qualities that are not something inherent in the jiva, hmm? but they are a result of bhakti rasa. It is said in Bhagavatam, yasyasti bhakti bhagavati akinchana. It said that in the in in the in the devotee all good qualities will be found. And in the non devotee, no good qualities will be found. What is it that sounds pretty harsh, but what he means is that only a shadow of these qualities will be found because they're uh, manorata means like the chariot of the mind. They're riding on the chariot of the mind. Only the devotee's coming out off the chariot of the mind, hmm? which is going in a, in a circle, samsara. Hmm? So I've given an example before. Let's take honesty as a as a good quality. Everybody agrees that honesty is a good quality, right? Nobody would disagree with that. Not even a thief would disagree that honesty is a good quality. Therefore, they insist upon dividing the loot honestly. Mm. Right? So on some level, everyone agrees. But we, that we, do we call that honesty? That is a shadow of honesty, we would say. Right? So our material life is something like that. But with the ingress of bhakti rasa, then we're coming closer to Krishna. Krishna has these qualities because of bhakti. Otherwise, he would be near Vishesh Brahma. Mm-hmm. We we can develop such quality, and obviously it means corresponding form and so forth. So, as with the ingress of bhakti, then in the stage of asakti, at the end of, of bhakti in practice, before we enter into bhakti and ecstasy, then then certain qualities of Krishna, mm-hmm. the form of Krishna, and correspondingly the qualities of Krishna start to become parent or attractive to us hmm? certain qualities that just like if you love someone in a certain way then there are certain qualities about them that you love and that's why you love them that way hmm? let's say you have a friend and you so you love your friend because of certain qualities and then somebody else loves that person romantically because of other qualities that you're like not privy to or they're not turning you on. They're different. Hmm? So this is very easy to explain because we, our human experience uh, is very helpful to us. Hmm? This is the way, as I say, in which bhakti is very user-friendly. It's not something ar- an artificial imposition. Hmm? It plumbs the depths of the human condition that we're familiar with and uh, seeks to help us pursue that which it's really all about by centering our uh, focus, if you will, 
some respects yeah, on Krishna. Hmm? So, of course, the other side is our material experiences, being a taker, and it's, it's a mean spirit, and so on and so forth. But, but nonetheless, it's all in pursuit of Ananda. Hmm? A little off course, you won't find it there, but so to, to just kind of reorient us a little bit. And that's all. That you, you, the building is the same, no problem. You just change the foundation, that's all. <laughs> okay? Just have to jack up the building, take out the old foundation of enjoying, exploiting ego, put the serving ego, and it's just simple. <laughs> that's all. So, <laughs> so he highlights various different qualities. Later when he goes on and speaks about the Stahibhav of Sakiras or Maduras or Vatsalyaras, then he'll highlight different qualities of those 64 that correspond with those particular sentiments and a personality, a shape, a form, and so forth. Hmm? Hmm? So he goes through them this way. And there are very many wonderful qualities. I don't know how we would have them in part, some of them, like speaking all the languages, even of the birds and <laughs> and the bees and so forth. So, uh, some of them are easier to... Uh, think that you might have, but uh, but you should do that. You should try that. You should try and sit, chant, and see if the deer will come, hmm? rather than run away as soon as they see you. Then you think, I'm getting somewhere <laughs> with my chanting. The Mahabharu chanted in that way, and tigers came. I'm working on that myself. <laughs> Mahaprabhu could chant in that way. And wild animals would come. Yeah. And tigers would purr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and so, and he spoke their language, you see. Hmm? Yeah, it's, what is it? It's a, the language of the soul. Let me take a look at it like that. Hmm? What everyone really speaks, what I really want, hmm? is what I'm about, and that what I could, what that means, what I could be in potential. I'm a unit of love. Hmm? So, Need how to develop that possibility. Hmm? That is what bhakti is about. You understand? Hmm? Without that, we, we love ourselves, but hmm? with bhakti, the opportunity to love Krishna and experience the full measure of what it means to be a unit of love, a unit of ananda. So he goes through the different qualities. He says, like, up 50, uh, he, he says, uh, the jivas can experience up to 50. Then some special people in the world, like Brahman, Shiva, hmm? they, there's five more that they can experience, 60, so 55. And then he goes to Narayana. Hmm? And Narayan, five, what is it? Five more. Hmm? Like, like Atmaram. That even Atmaramas are, t- are attracted to him, that universes emanate from him, hmm. something like this. This is not Brahma's quality, Shiva's quality, not the quality we will have. But hmm. and then, of course, he goes to then and Krishna, and Krishna has four qualities that nobody has, hmm. and these really then help to define him. As the, as the most lovable object. And that, those qualities are Prema Madhurya, Lila Madhurya, Venu Madhurya, and 
Rupa Madhurya. Madhurya means sweet, charming. He has sweet leelas. He has very sweet and affectionate devotees, Prema Madhurya. He has a very sweet flute. Hmm? He's the real Pied Piper, I guess you can. We don't, this is his weapon. You think different avatars have different weapons and so. Krishna in Vrindavan he's speaking about. Krishna in Vrindavan doesn't have a chakra <laughs> and a mace and so forth, like Narayan, or he might show in Dwaraka. Hmm? He has a flute. What will you do with a flute, you'll say? We have to get to that, but what is the value? I mean, what kind of a weapon is that? <laughs> and then the form. Sweet form. Hmm? So Rupa Goswami speaks a little bit about them, but these are the unique qualities of Krishna. As, as we look at them, of course, as we plumb the depths of them, we come to the conclusion, this is the most lovable object, for sure. Hmm? This is the way he's making his case for the Vishayalambana. Hmm? And, and in the course of that, describing the, 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 uh, um, the, the, the Udipana aspect. So, again, different qualities... There will be causes for us uh, for different types of devotees. Mm-hmm. So anyway, to the four, a little bit, we say a few words and uh, conclude our discussion. He says, Lila Madhurya. Mm-hmm. He has very sweet pastimes. They're very profound and they're very um, attractive. And this is, you, you just think about it a little bit and then you, and you can easily come to the conclusion. Prichit Marsh came to the conclusion in the seventh chapter of the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam hmm, where Trinavarta is killed. Hmm, Prichit Marsh begins by asking Sukadeva to speak about more about the pastimes of Krishna. He says, he says the pastimes, the, lila, the lilas of the different avatars hmm, of Vishnu, he says, they're not very attractive. Hmm? We're, we're told we're supposed to think about them, and so we, 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 we do, but they're not, they're not as, as attractive. Hmm? I mean, it's hard to relate to Varaha, to Kurma, for example. Hmm? Um, it's hard to relate to Ram. You're going to be kidding me. He, he banished Sita after the whole thing. How could he be so moral? How, how is it? We know he's superhuman, but it's not very attractive to us. If you know Ramayana, he was so morally right that you know it's very heartbreaking. Banished Sita from the kingdom at the end because there was some suspicion of his character. And as a leader, he could have no suspicion of his character. Because this is inhuman, right? We say, oh, he's divine. But Krishna is fully divine and fully human. Hmm? This is a kind of divine humanism that we're advocating. He's in human form. Hmm? So it's easy to think, this is what Prichar Marsh's argument, it's easy to think about Krishna. It's so close to us. Hmm? He thinks like us. Hmm? The whole idea of, of, of frame is that he's one of us. This is the feeling in Vrindavan. He's one of us. He's a bridge bossy just like us. Hmm? 
He's a resident. Of, we're, we're from the village. We're, we're together. Hmm? So the very form, human form of Krishna, human-like form of Krishna, is saying, you see, it's 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 saying this. I'm I'm like you. <laughs> you know, if you're going, going to celebrate the Govardhan Leela, hmm? and Krishna's you know, projecting the Indra. He said, we'll feed everybody, everybody except him, points his finger, except that guy. Hmm? Uh, it's very down, as, as, as um, Kulapavan said, very down-to-earth Leela. Hmm? He's for us, he said, why should we worship the gods? We've got a hill right here. It's providing food for our cows. We're cow herds. We should worship the hill. Hmm? So uh, his, you can understand, his Leelas are, are very in the sense that they're human-like, they're very charming. There's a natural appeal. It's easy to think about them. Hmm? Prichet Mar says, it's more of an exercise to think about the pastimes of the different avatars, which are also limited in comparison. Krishna's Kavirash described Krishna Leela as, well, he described Gaur Leela as a fountain hmm? from which Krishna Leela is springing in all directions. Hmm? You think about it. What are the Leelas of Vishnu? Yeah, well, you know, there was this, and there's one story about Narsinga. What else does he do? Um, he liberated Pallad, he made this appearance. What else does he do? Hmm? Kurma. <laughs> You're going to come up a little bit short there. Krishna Leela, oh, this. It's hmm, so many. And in Krishna Leela, you can enter and write your own, you have your own Leela in there, in the context of the Leela. So he says, he has, he has, he, he, what is one of his qualities? He has Leela Madhurya, very super sweet pastimes, hmm? very attractive. They naturally attract the mind. Hmm? And and prema madhurya, going through them a little quickly, but we've talked for a while. So prema madhurya means that he's surrounded by devotees endowed with a very special kind of love, very extraordinary. Hmm? When Rupa Goswami begins to speak about Raghunuga Bhakti in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he says, "Tata Raghunuga." Now we will speak about Rag Bhakti. Hmm? He first explains ragatmika bhakti because rag anuga means to follow anuga, the rag or the attachment, the love that is embodied in the inhabitants of Vrindavan, like Lalita Bishaka, Subal, Sudam, Nanda, Jashodamai, Rohini Devi, and so forth. They are the embodiments of different kinds of love that Krishna is the object of love for. Hmm? And they're their rag, their attachment for Krishna is, is just, it's kind of it's in, inborn. Hmm? He says, let me talk about them. Hmm? Um, I'm going to talk about Raganuga Bhakti, and I'm going to talk about Raganuga Bhakti where it is most resplendently uh, expressed. That means there are other expressions of rag bhakti or mixed bhakti, rag with vaidhi bhakti uh, in the generic sense of the term of raga, attachment. Hmm? But in Vrindavan, this 
is where the full idea of rag bhakti is expressed in these persons. So we're going to first talk about them, and then, of course, the idea is to follow in their footsteps. So very extraordinary type of non-calculative love. Non-calculative means that I'm not worshipping him because he's God. In fact, I didn't know he was God, and I, I, I'm worshipping God, instead of worshipping God over here. Nanda Maharaj is offering the Arctic to the Nishringa Shaligram every day, just like you offer Arctic, just like your mind is somewhere else. His mind is somewhere else too. <laughs> His mind is on where is Krishna? Only. And he's just offering Arctic. The Vaidhi Bhakti is there, but <laughs> it means all that you can get from Vaidhi Bhakti is there. The Varnashram is there. I mean, all you could get from Varnashram is there, and much more. Hmm? Varnashram has a structure. Hmm? Vaidhi Bhakti has, is the religion, hmm? and Rag Bhakti is the reality. Hmm? It makes the whole thing go around. Very extraordinary. We know Lakshmi, the chaste wife of Narayan, she has extraordinary love for Narayan. But it's said in Bhadavindavan, Lakshmi Sahasrasata Samramasevyamano. There are many Lakshmis there. And they are different than Lakshmi in Vaikuntha because they are Sevyamano. They have a very special kind of affection. Hmm? They don't serve Krishna because he's God. Hmm? They, 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 they love him. Hmm? Especially, of course, this especially refers to Kamanuga. There, there's not even be, because he's my son, I should love him. That is Samandanuga. Or he's my friend, it's allowable relationship. But in, 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 in the romantic love, then, of the parakia, it's not allowed there. I still they love him. It's a very higher idea, but a very special kind of love. We don't see that anywhere. Pujapachitamar used to like to tell the story of how Narada was asked by Krishna, Narada, I have a headache. Can you please do something about it? What can I do? Krishna has a headache. He said, bring the dust from the feet of my devotees and put it on my head. So Narada could have just said, well, here you go. I'm your devotee. Take the dust. But he thought, are you kidding me? I'm going to take the dust. We talked about this this morning, right? Dust of the feet. We're here this morning. That you don't want to put that on somebody's head especially if you've been walking barefoot all day and, mm-hmm. and so forth. So we want the dust from the feet of the Vaishnavas. But we talked about that. But, but so Nard's thinking, okay, he's testing me. Mm-hmm. Right. He said, well, all right, I'll go and I'll check it out. I'll, I'll look for somebody, one of your devotees, to get some dust. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. You know, who can understand the ways of, <laughs> of Bhagavan. So he goes everywhere <laughs> asking devotees, and they all go, you know, oh, no, 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 you're not going to trick me like that. I'm going to give the dust to my feet and put it on Krishna's head. So Kinard comes back and says, well, you know, he thought Krishna would be very pleased. He said, no devotee, no devotee anywhere in the whole world will put the dust of their feet on your head. And he, and he says, well, that doesn't help. <laughs> Krishna says, I don't know. Kinnard is bewildered. He thought he was bringing back the answer that Krishna wanted, of course. So Krishna said, none of them? None of them? Nobody? Did you go here, there? I went there, I went there. Did you go to go to Vrindavan? Where? There's a village. Hmm. 
you know, where I came, where I was were born, <laughs> that place. Because Narada, of course, worshiping him in Dwaraka. He's a prince in Dwaraka. They're kind of forgetting about his past. Hmm? It's a little questionable. I mean, who's his real mother? You know, you don't know. Is it Devagi or not? Uh, or Mai? Is he a coward? Is it, what is his caste? Does he have a caste? What? Everybody has to have a caste, they're thinking. So Sushupal was bringing this up in the Rajasuri. Hey, wait a minute. You're advocating that the first worship should be given to Krishna? We don't even know who, who, where this guy comes from. Who's his family? What's his caste? What? So I kind of want to forget about that a little bit. And of course, if it's brought to the fore, it will be problematic for the whole Dwarkalila. Hmm? That's we find that, and this is the whole Jagannath Rathayatra Lila, of course. Now Krishna heard in Dwarka about the uh, someone who was speaking about. Oh, in Vrindavan they love him like this, and he overheard that, and he started to transform into ecstasy. It's a huge problem for Dwarka. Hmm? What to do? So they they kind of want to forget about that, so that they can have Krishna as uh, as they do in Dwarka. So. So, well, I know I didn't go there. I didn't go to Vrindavan. Hmm? What do they know anyway? <laughs> it's village people. You know, we know that you're God, and I don't even sure they know. <laughs> so you go there. Ask the gopikas there, those cow milk ladies. Hmm? So he went. Krishna has a headache. Oh, what can we do? He wants the dust from your feet. They said, take it. He said, what, are you kidding me? If you give them, what will be the result? Yes, we will go to hell. Hmm? But Krishna's headache will be will be uh, cured. So, Nara took the. This is one of the ways, and of course, Priyat Bhagavatamrita, Sanatan Prabhu's seminal book hmm, of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, the original book of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, uh, is the first section of the whole Priyat Bhagavatamrita is about who are the most intimate devotees, and he goes all the way to the Vrindavan Leela, and of course, the. Uh, uh, the gopis. Hmm? So, in the full sense of the term, this means prema madhurya. They have a very extraordinary type of love. Hmm? Lila madhurya, we can also say, very extraordinary means rasa lila. Hmm? Krishna says, somewhere I forget where, but believe me, he says that the, uh, that uh, all of my lilas are wonderful, but the, the rasa lila blows my mind. He said, I can't, my... The Rasalila blew my mind. I couldn't think about that. I, what to think about that? I can't. So this is, of all the Leelas, this is very extraordinary. This is, again, Leela Madhurya and Prema Madhurya and then Venu Madhurya. He has a, flu, a flute. Hmm? And this is his weapon, as he said. Hmm? Everyone has, you know, Discs and chakras and maces and all the gods and goddesses, swords and all types of things. Hmm? And um, and Krishna has the flute only. Hmm? But by playing that, it is said in the in the Golden Leela that in not in Golden Leela, but in um, yeah, in the Govardhan Leela. After the Govardhan Leela was completed, 
Indra, who had sent the torrential rains and tried to kill all of Krishna's cows and his people, imagine, realizing what he had done, he was rather embarrassed. He wanted to remedy the situation. Of course, he approached Brahma, and Brahma said, don't talk to me. I stole his friends. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what you did is like off, off the wall. <laughs> I, I stole his friends, and he wouldn't even talk to me. I went there, and you know, I and I, I, I did the best prayers with all four heads that I could possibly make, you know, and they were full of, you know, the truth. So Talmud Gaudi Sadanta in the in the prayers of Brahma, and after I was I was done, he said nothing, you know. I just like circumambulated him and went on my way. <laughs> so what you've done, I don't have an answer for that. I can't help you. <laughs> so it was suggested, but anyway, if, what you've done is you 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 you've, you threatened his cows. So go talk to Surabi, the goddess of cows. Maybe she give you some insight. And so he went. She apologized, and so Surabi said, "Oh, you know, you come with me." So they went to Earth, kind of hovered there, and Krishna's now. Uh, Sporting with his friends and everything's normal. Uh, not a not a leaf fell from a tree, even though the rains were so torrential that they could have uh, uh, sub, uh, submerged the whole earth practically. And uh, so Krishna sees Indra and he says to his friend, "You stay here. Just give me a minute. Attend to something over there. Give up Indra a chance to apologize privately." <laughs> It's a little embarrassing to do it in front of all of your friends and so forth. And so very courteous Krishna is. And, uh, and there Indra makes an apology and, uh, and Krishna is, gives an Abhishek and he's named Govinda and, and different gods are there and they give different gifts to Krishna. Hmm? Shiva gave a bamboo flute. Hmm? And, and of course Krishna goes off with the the gifts, uh, or they fly off. The gods and coward friends come, say, "What's going on? Give me that! Give me that hat! <laughs> give me that coat! Give me that belt!" And then they dress themselves up with all the, the gifts given by the gods, and off they go back home. And Nanda Marsh goes, "Where did you guys get that stuff?" Madhu <laughs> hmm? says, "Oh, there was a four-headed guy, and there was a five-headed guy, and they were talking with all their mouths at the same time." And he says, "Okay, sorry, I asked." <laughs> Looks good on you anyway. <laughs> Fine. Um, but Krishna got the flute, and he used to go up in his tower. He has a tower above his house. He can look out, and, and he play on the flute and practice. Hmm? Practice playing on the flute, and he found he had magical powers. If he play a certain note, then something would happen. The water would stop. Hmm? If he play another note, the land would flow like water. Water would become like stone, and the, and the stone will become like water. So, wow, that's pretty far out. So he, he's practicing on it in different ways. Hmm? And then the proverbial what are the fifth note, right? You asked me about the fifth note. I wrote to you, uh, Rudrani. The fifth note, this is you know, he plays. This, the, he's trying to attract Radharani. This is he's practicing. He thinks this has magical powers, this flute. Maybe I can attract her attention. Mm -hmm. 
So he practices. There's many nice leelas in which he's practicing. In Gopal Champu, he brings all, every gopi comes. He thinks, hey, this is working. Every, he's in the forest playing. Every gopi comes. It's working, it's working. Every gopi comes, except for Radha. Darn it. You can go home now, he says to everybody. Huh? That's a beautiful leela. Um, but the flute. And the flute is also, the flute sound has been compared to Gayatri. This is the beginning of all the Veda, the prototype of all the Vedic mantras. Hmm? From the flute sound of Krishna, we get the Diksha. He played the flute. In the Leela, the gopis are initiated hmm? by the flute sound. They hear the flute and they go to Krishna. Hmm? Right? They leave their homes, they leave everything, they go. They got initiation, they heard their, their name. It means they got mantra, and they went, they followed it, they went. Hmm? They didn't hesitate for a moment. We had to follow like that. Hmm? They had a million and eight reasons not to go, but they didn't listen to any one of them. And they didn't wait for anybody else. They didn't ask us, are you going? What about you? What do you think? Did you hear that? And they just went. And there they found their group. Hmm? That's how you have to find your group. You have to find those people. Hmm? You have to follow your heart, and then there will be a group there. Hmm? You won't be alone. Hmm? Hmm? So, many things to say, but he's got a sweet flute. Hmm? Nobody else has that. How he, it, it speaks of how he controls by affection. As I've said before, there's different ways in which we can control someone. Physically, we could control someone, and it would be obvious. The door is locked. I want to get out. Mentally, you could control someone. It might not be obvious, but it would be more comprehensive. Like you get in a relationship and someone's controlling you, manipulating your friend is to say, you've got to get out of that. You've got to get out of that relationship. Well, I want, yeah, but... Uh, it's harder to, to figure out, so to speak. So the mental control is more powerful, more subtle. It's like the difference between a white-collar crime and a blue-collar crime and a white-collar crime. So controlling someone physically, mentally, now controlled by heart, not by body, but by mind, but by heart. It's more comprehensive. It's more subtle. And you don't feel controlled. It feels as if you're controlling your lover. So... There's no problem controlling by love because who controls by love is controlled by love. This is Krishna. Hmm? He controls by love and he's controlled by love. Hmm? And the flute is his instrument. And he has a form, Rupa Madhurya, a very sweet form. As We've already talked a little bit about it. Human-like, very sweet compared to Narayan, you can't get close. If someone walks in your house with four arms, you're going to step back a bit. But Krishna is two-armed in his own form. He sees a reflection of it in some of the very, uh, like crystal stones on Govardhan Hill. People think, what is that? My form. He becomes attracted to this. Very sweet, very charming. It doesn't, if you compare it to all the avatars, this Goswami has made a good good case for the perfect object of love. I mean, I've only just talked about it in a surface 
Right, but there's something about the qualities of Krishna. Any question? Yes. Uh, the 50 qualities that the jiva can possibly display to some of extent of another, as you explained, uh, without the ingress of bhakti, are they still there? He's talking about qualities of bhakti rasa. That's what he's talking about. Hmm? He says, as I quoted from Bhagavatam, there are no good qualities without bhakti. They're only shadow of qualities. The jiva has no qualities. Hmm? He's Satchitananda. If you take off the material qualities, we come to Nirvishesh Brahma, Brahmananda, Brahmagyan. If you have bhakti, then you can have qualities. Hmm? Qualities of bhakti rasa, that's what's being discussed. In an act of devotion, Prabhupada Onkamati says, oh, these qualities can be had by, by, by pure devotion. Hmm? So they're, they're talking about spiritual qualities. That's why I say Krishna has qualities because of bhakti that are worth having. We have qualities that are illusory because we have an identity that's illusory. We remove that, that illusory identity and we have the ingress of bhakti, then we can have qualities in form and so forth. That is all a result of that ingress. Another question? Yes. Uh, is that related to what Prabhupada said that uh, one who is endowed with good qualities but without God consciousness is good qualities as compared to the nipples of an under a negative goat? Right. You won't get much milk from that. <laughs> of course, goat milk is popular these days, but it's, it's, it's not sweet. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What else? Yes. I have a question. What is located Mountain Meru? What is what? Mountain Meru. Meru Mount. Not Meru. Where is it located? Where is it? Where is Mount Meru located? Oh. Uh, you, do you have Google Map? <laughs> <laughs> it's not on there. It's a problem. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This um, description of the of the world of the universe. In the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, it's mentioned. Vishwana Chavaritakra says, this is a description given for the yogis who are seated in the audience. And it constitutes, in essence, a subtle form of the material world that meditating upon will, will foster one's spiritual progress. Hmm? So it's it's not something that is is um, central, if you will, to to bhakti rasa, that description, and because uh, that's my preoccupation, I don't know where Mount Meru is. Hmm. It's in the mind of a yogi. <laughs> so. Um, you know, you, it, 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 that uh, the the essence of the fifth canto, where all those descriptions are, and so forth, are fascinating in, in one sense. The essence of that is is brought out at the beginning of the of the chapter itself. Prichit Marsh wants to know, tell me about the material energy of, of Bhagwan, because by knowing about that, I I must I love him that much more. He's got that's all also an amazing thing that he does. 
Hmm? So Sukadev says, all right, I'll tell you as far as I can. I mean, I'll tell you what the Puranic historians have said and how they think about it at the present time. But in essence, it's a transformation of the modes of nature. So it's, it's not something that you can get a grip on, get your hand on. Even modern science says that we don't really experience the world. We experience our experience of the world. We never touch it. And this is Vishnu Maya. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And we can talk about it in any number of different ways. And some of the descriptions, I suppose, in astrophysics are as fast and fantastic sounding as, as the Bhagavatam, perhaps. I don't know, black holes and uh, parallel universes and so on. And so on. But these are, um, um, when, when it's all through, the end of that section is about the hells, right? Wow. And so that when it, how does the sixth canto begin? The sixth canto begins by saying, don't worry about the fifth canto. That's what it says. The story of Ajamil. Hmm? Chant Hare Krishna, and you will never see the hells. Hmm? And that's the teaching. The devotees are concerned. You're going to go to hell. If you do this or that. The teaching is, if you read the Bhagavatam, it says just the opposite. Hmm? This, and this is not for devotees. Therefore, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, oh, you know, it's just a way of talking about the fact that there is a system built into the universe of punishment and reward. Hmm? It's a way of talking about it. So, um, given those type of explanations by our acharyas, I realize sometimes Prabhupada tried to make it more concrete and so forth, but you have to understand the purpose behind someone like that. Hmm? Prabhupada wanted to, wanted, to, wanted to break the uh, any perceived faith in... Um, in, a, in, in an imperfect, what he would consider an imperfect way of, of knowing. And so he, 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 he did it in a particular way, and he was pretty successful uh, at the time. But times change, and there, with it, the necessity to talk about um, such things perhaps differently, that, that, that as a result of which, as a result of which the essential um, message will be conveyed Bhakti will be understood and we will be compelled to pursue it and arrive at Bhakti Rasa. So, yeah, where is Mount Mera? I'm not, not discouraging you from asking someone else to try to find out, but it's, it's not a very central um, theme. And I don't think it can be, as it's described in the Bhagavatam, located. Uh, so to speak, in a way in which you could locate something on a Google map and get the distance and, and the directions and so forth. Hmm? Yes? Yesterday you said that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is very feminine and that the tantras are feminine. Can you describe in what way Gaudiya Vaishnavism and the tantras are feminine? Well, in the tantra there's an emphasis on shakti. And in the Puranas and the Beda Upanishad, it's on Shaktiman. So it's a, emphasizing the Purusha. And the Tantras are emphasizing the, the Prakriti, the Shakti. Hmm? And it's a, little bit, uh, it's a little bit foreign, in a way, to Vedanta. If you look at the systems of Vedanta, of Shankar, of Ramanuja, Madhva, they don't draw on the Tantra. Hmm? 
And with Gaudi Vaishnavism is full of references to the Tantra drawing, all the all the methods of worship and so forth, all coming from from the Tantra. Nana Tantra Vidhane Na is said in Bhagavatam, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was introduced in the eleventh canto. And in Kali Yuga, hmm, the, 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 the method of worship will be drawn from the Tantra. Hmm? That means all the Pancharatric, Nard Pancharatra, Gotamiya Tantra, so on and so forth. We have the beautiful descriptions of, 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 of Radhika and the mandalas and corresponding with the mantras and all the types of worship. Um, the, uh, the yoga peat uh, in Sakyarasa or in um, Madhurasa for visualization and meditation. It's all coming from the Tantra. Hmm? Um, and so it's, it's, it's Shakti-oriented, which is the feminine side. And of course, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, is very um, feminine with its emphasis on Radha. I'm saying it here today. The Krishna has no form, no qualities without bhakti. Hmm? So, Jai Radhe. You know, we, 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 we. And it really, Chaitanya Vaishnavism is Krishna coming to herald the glories of Radha, which she would never do herself. She would never say, just see my position. It's not like that's, that's not feminine in her. She's not that kind of feminist. Uh, <laughs> she's not extreme, but she is in control. Uh, <laughs> So, but but Krishna's coming, and he wa- wants to uh, make it clear in no uncertain terms that Vrindavaneshwari, and so this, our, our explanations are such. Where is the form of Krishna without Radha? Krishna says through the pen of Kaviraj Goswami, Ami Shisha Guru Nata Radhikar Premera Unmata. Hmm? The Prem of Radha dancing is, is, my, is, is, is my guru in the school of dancing, and I am. Mm. Her disciple, Amishisha, Guru Nata Radhikari Premera Unmata. Hmm? It drives me mad. Her love drives me mad. Hmm? And the movement of that love, which is dancing, I am, I am the pupil for that. I am the student. I, she is my guru. And this is who is the guru of Krishna? We say, Sandipani Muni. He has more than one guru. Mm-hmm. Could be two. Radha is the guru of Krishna. Hmm? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming to, to yeah, Krishna is coming in that form to announce that position. Hmm? Very nice. So, yeah. Uh, in line with that, uh, all the from the Veda, all the arts of, of science and dance and all the uh, not science, I mean music, the arts, and dance, the, the arts. all tantric sections of the Veda. Also, all the arts. Well, um, the arts are from the works of the aestheticians like Bharat, Vishwanath, and not our Vishwanath, Chagoditakur. Um, I don't know if it's, it's kind of it's in its own realm. It's secular. Hmm? Bharat Muni. And, um, it's, it's what Mahaprabhu said. Kabitamba, not that either, hmm? because the arts are like very refined, and you get this feeling of of it's very subtle and present. And yeah, I'm like that. I'm like that. I'm kind of like not 
the objective world and you can do things in the arts that you can't do in the real world and and so Mahaprabhu said as 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 aesthetically pleasing as that is, as subtle as that is, as almost like non material as that is, he said, it's all mundane. Kabitamba. Bhakti rasa, that is a different thing altogether. The aesthetics of bhakti rasa. So he's speaking to that uh, that that sector, the high the high end of the society. Hmm? Goes to the opera and so forth, and that, of course, the, the course bhakti rasa is a drama, and that's another thing, and so, and then many, 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 many of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were all poets, writers, uh, and and dramatists, dramatists, or in in the, in the arts. Um, Ramananda Roy, and there's, I think I calculated was fifty-four of his principal associates were all known poets and artisans and, and so forth. These kind of people who are trying to be like otherworldly, kind of. They're not living in the real world, so to speak. So, yes? You spoke several times about the universe of Bhakti. Yeah. And it's central to our spiritual life. When and how does the ingress occur Is it one time continual how the ingress of bhakti comes as soon as bhakti comes into your life. So that comes from the Guru Parampara. Hmm? Uh, can chanting and hearing, that is bhakti. So hmm? um, it makes ingress into your heart and it, but at a certain point, hmm? The emotive component of bhakti starts to manifest. So sometimes we formally talk about that as the ingress of bhakti. That is in bhava bhakti. Sudasattva visheshatma prema suryamsu samyabhak. Like a ray of the sun of prem, this sudasattva, this srup shakti, makes ingress. Vishesh means a particular combination of ladini. And samvit. Samvit means know, a kind of knowing. I'm the friend of Krishna. And a corresponding pladini, hmm, ecstasy, that will excel and, 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 and cause the stai, in this ex- instance, example of Sakyabhav, to rise to pranai, sneha pranai, hmm, rag on rag, depends. Hmm, different, the gift of the stai, how it will, will develop. So, that this is sometimes at the ingress of bhakti, but actually bhakti's ingress, the surup shakti, is at the very beginning of your devotional life, which changes the course of your life and so forth. Then you're doing bhakti uh, sadhana. It's kind of like imitation of a good thing is a good thing, something like that. Hmm? And so it's bhakti with the senses. It is bhakti. Hmm? It's kind of like not bhakti proper. Hmm? Because bhakti has an emotive component and an active component. The active component should be a result of the emotive component. But now we do the active to try to bring about the emotive component. Hmm? You understand? I used to say in this kind dance, dance, you know. <laughs> Get into it, you know. But it should be like, damn, you know, I've got to dance. The action should come out of the emotion. 
but in sadhana bhakti we try to get the emotion from doing the action, from going through the motions, so to speak. Hmm? So sadhana bhakti is kind of like going through the motions. But a certain as as that sadhana bhakti develops with and you use your intelligence, for example, to understand what is bhakti, like we have these discussions for, for such purposes, then your heart, your tender heart for bhakti, it it it, it, it comes it, a a kind of a, um the tender heart is is becomes I want to say um, the faith becomes firm hmm? by harmonizing the heart with the head hmm? and so you know I really like bhakti it's great the people are really nice here I'll go with it hmm? they're non-judgmental they got great food and I like the chanting hmm? and, and, and so forth so I'll go with it hmm? And over time, you, you start to hear what it's like. Is that what I bought into? Is that what... I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I, I have some, you know, feeling for it. It's hard to get away, but I don't know if I like that part. And then the teacher has to say, this is the teaching. It's not like that. Just, so the, the intelligence starts to... The, the, the shraddha, the faith, becomes shastriya shraddha. Becomes, becomes tempered by the scripture, what it, what, it, what it's actually saying and our eligibility increases hmm? and obviously our ability to practice is enhanced by understanding what it is we're doing hmm? what it's about was the goal how it works and so is this theoretical knowledge very helpful hmm? we call it sambandha gyan that's why Bhaktivinoda Thakur says you could chant all day but without sambandha gyan it won't have much of an effect hmm? this was a problem at the time of Bhaktivinoda people giving diksha and so forth, but they didn't have any sambandha gyan to give any kind of knowledge that we're sharing. They didn't have, they were just, this is their business, their family line had been doing this for years, giving initiation. They were from the family of Nityananda, for example. And so there it was. And so he said, without the sambandha, that's where, that's where you find in Alpari, where this emphasis on siksha, it comes from this time. Because diksha was being given and no siksha. And people were just like, get diksha and, Carry on with their normal life, you know. Yes, I'm a follower of the Radhabhav. And not knowing what it was, every now and then they'd scream out, and pass out, and, you know, people look like, what's wrong with you, you know. Uh, and, uh, and then mixing up parakia with, uh, you know, this world, involvement with the opposite sex, and so forth, these kind of things. So without someone again. So, the emphasis on siksha, on siksha. We really need diksha and siksha. You can't have the seed. You can't have the water without the seed and expect to get the fruit. You can't have the seed without water and expect to get the fruit. So they go hand in hand. So at some time, we may emphasize the siksha. And then people later go, siksha, you don't need diksha. You just need siksha. Bhaktivinotaka has emphasized the siksha. Who needs a diksha guru? You know, you don't understand it in context. Why? He was emphasizing at that time in that way and so forth. Hmm? Now we may have to reverse and say, "Don't have the diksha. This is all, diksha is all important." In fact, uh, so anyway, hmm? sambandhagyan is is uh, this is, uh, is essential, really, hmm? in the in the in the practical uh, world of our 
uh, practicing experience. Hmm? So, gradually then, nishta is this stage within practicing life where you really have a good understanding of the theory. Nasta prayeshu, abhadreshu, nityam bhagavata sevaya. Nityam bhagavata sevaya means he's studying the bhagavatam always. So, and what is bhagavatam? Bhagavatam is a natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. What is Vedanta Sutra? It's the logic of, of, the, of this making, making sense out of all these sounds in the Upanishad and showing how they all are saying, making a concerted effort to say the same thing. Hmm? They're all making a particular focus. Hmm? And Bhagavatam is the commentary on it. So it's, it's, it, it, you see, it trains your intelligence, gives you this, this kind of spiritual intelligence, uh, the Gita does as well, the Bhagavatam, for the Nasta then all accordingly, the faith is becoming harmonized, the heart is becoming harmonized with the head. Hmm? Like you have faith, it's like this. And it's all black and white. It sounds good. It's great. I don't have to think anymore. Hmm? All the answers are there. And then as you start to harmonize the head with the heart, you realize, oh, i got to think. Hmm? This one says it like this over there, and this acharya says it like that, and this one says it like that. Oh no, <laughs> they're all saying it different. And my own guru said it like this, and he said the opposite over here. What am I going to do now? Hmm? I have to think. Oh my God, hmm? problem. Hmm? We thought that spiritual life would be black and white. It's all figured out for me. No, it's not like that. Love is it black and white? It's full of nuance. It's so many. Two hundred fifty-six used to be anyway. Shades of gray. I don't know what they have now, but uh, I don't know. Maybe that was before they were color computers. But yeah, we have color now. It's even worse. Oh my God! And how many colors, right? <laughs> um, so that's good. You see, and, and love is like that. It's it's exciting, hmm? um, and ever fresh. The frame of Radhika is is full and ever increasing. Hmm? So. As we, when we, we use our head, we can find intention and per, uh, uh, you can understand statements like, if one commits Vaishnava Parad, they can fall from Vaikuntha. And you can say, see, people can fall from Vaikuntha. You don't understand that. It means you haven't understood the teaching. Hmm? That's hyperbole hmm? in the scripture to say, don't commit Vaishnava Parad. That's what it's saying. It's not talking about falling from Vaikuntha, but it makes such, it takes the license to exaggerate in such a way to make a point at times. You don't know that. You go, see, it's right there. Everybody's falling from Vaikuntha. We don't ever know who's going to, Prabhupada might come any time. <laughs> might just drop on down here. Uh, he could fall down. People fall from Vaikuntha. No, this doesn't happen. That's not a fact. Hmm? So there are statements like that hmm, in the scripture. And a guru may make a statement like this for a purpose at a certain time. And so there's the harmonizing the head and the heart, and you have to sort these apparent contradictions out, resolve them, and the, the means is to enter into the texts, and, 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 and this is the kind of thing that Prabhupada expected, for example, his disciples to do when he said, and we have 60 books, hmm? and they're not just for selling. Hmm? And I, well, my friend Ramaswar wrote to Prabhupada about me for the first time 
that this boy, he's here, and he's distributing so many of your books and so forth. I wanted to tell you about him. He has a, no envy, that man. You know, Ramasur, he has no envy. That's a very... You'd think that would be normal for devotees, but it, apparently it's not. It's not. A long time ago. One minute. And so he wrote to Prabhupada, Prabhupada, very nice that Tripurari Das is selling so many books. Then he wrote, and it's typed in his own handwriting, please make sure that he's reading them. Because he showed me the letter. In those days, we would show the letters that were public. If Prabhupada wrote a letter, it would be read in the class. Prabhupada sent a letter to so-and-so. Here's what it says, and so forth. So, so I try to take that to heart and harmonize my heart with my head, so to speak. And then it's very tricky because you need to use your head in such a way so that you soften the heart. So nishta, and from nishta comes ruchi, which is the stage in which, as I say, Food, be, medicine become food. Hmm? Now you're, you're a self-driven person. There's some, intellect is still functioning in, 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 in ruchi, but not to the extent inishta. And the heart is coming out. Taste is driven by taste. And then asakti means from attachment to bhakti and no attachment to anything else in ruchi to attachment to the object of bhakti and it's taking a particular shape, hmm? this particular qualities that I said, and then a corresponding sense of relationship hmm? with Krishna is forming. Then bhav comes. Hmm? And when bhav comes, then we say, this is the ingress of the sarup shakti, but it was there previously, otherwise you could not have got to that stage. So in the higher stages of sadhana, you're not going through the motions but the emotive component or aspect of bhakti is starting to, starting to, Shreya Kairaba Chandrika Bhattarana Mahaprabhu said it like this, starting to come like moonbeams and cool, you know, well, he says, Shreya Kairaba, what does he say? He says, Param, how does it start? Um, how does it start? First verse of Shikshastakam? Cheto Darpanam Arjanam. All the stages are going to Baba Mahadavagani Nirvapanam. Baba Mahadavagani Nirvapanam means the fire of material existence is out. There's still some smoke. But the fire's out. This is Nishta. Hmm? The fire's out. Still some smoke, but it'll dissipate. Then taste is coming and attachment. So it's there from the beginning. Hmm? Right? And it may be there from the previous life. And the life before that. Hmm? And we see, people are coming not for the first time, and some are coming for the first time. Hmm? Even those that are coming for the first time are coming from, some are coming from the, for the, not for the first time, but from a second and third and fourth knowing time. And some are coming from an unknowing involvement hmm? and a partial knowing of what they're involved in, involvement. Hmm? You can see all these things and help people accordingly. I'm sorry, your question? I wanted to ask you if you can elaborate a little bit on the subject of punishment and reward. Punishment and, uh, and reward. Yeah, punishment and reward. Well, very briefly, um, as you've all been sitting patiently for a long time now, um, we see practically that there are consequences for action, Right? We see that practically every day. If you stick your hand in the fire, there's a consequence. You get burned. 
So it's our practical experience. So we look at that as that we see people in different stages of life, different conditions of life. We find life in different conditions. We find life in a plant condition. We find life in a in a uh, animal condition, and we don't consider life to be biological. We we feel that there's a biological sense of life, but there's a um, I want to say a, a existential reality, consciousness is not biological. And so it moves through different biological situations, in a sense, in pursuit of itself. And it acts and it gets reactions and so forth. And one of those, some of those culminate in human life. Hmm? Then in human life, we can make these kind of somewhat judgments as because we have some experience. I do this, I got that. Hmm. I do this, I got that. We can also get help from, 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 from Scripture that says, and you didn't know it, but if you do this, you'll get that. And, and so it, in the human life, we get the chance to extend that beyond what we can immediately experience, that if I put my hand in the fire, I get burnt. Okay. So the animals, for example, are learning that there's a punishment, and if I do this, I get a reward. Hmm? Right? They know that. Now, the extent to which there is such a system Hmm? That's we can become acquainted with the human life through the help of saintly persons and Shastra and we can know other things that, that we don't realize that there will be consequences for our thoughts hmm? you think I only thought it so it's no problem nobody knows hmm? nobody knows but there's nothing that God doesn't know so so uh, you have to be a devotee you know in 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 in, in all phases, not just in the temple. Hmm? There's no private life for the devotee, is, is the idea. I know that's a little intimidating, but hmm, that's good. So, does that help? A little something, yeah. So, I do appreciate your interest and all, and the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you very much. Shri Shri Radha Kanai Lao Ki Jai. Shri Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Bhakti Rakshak Siddhar Dev Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai. Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai. Bhakti Vinod Puribar Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanande. Very good.